The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. Today we have a very special episode in store. We're very excited to introduce you to our good friends from Syracuse, New York. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Someone's going to squeak down there. Oh, gosh. I have the pig down here. We have four. It's such a long set. All right. Our quirky tip today is if you're thinking about doing any kind of bitey sports with your dogs, um, and everybody else can elaborate on this slightly if they want to as well, do not just go to anyone who wears a suit. Um, No bite work is way better than unsafe bite work. So be very conscientious of who you're working with. Scott and Ben have both been certified decoys before in the sport. Ben still is a certified decoy. And it's important to know that, you know, you're working with someone who can keep your dog safe and can make the sport enjoyable because it can be very, very dangerous. So without further ado, we have Ben and Janelle Allenson here with us today. We're very excited to have them on the podcast. And we're going to talk about couples who train together in protection sports and everything else. Sweetie, how long ago was it that you and Ben met? I feel like you have quite a long-standing history. uh, 2010. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ben got in touch with me and said, Hey, I want to come out and uh, work my dogs and learn about ring. And he was in New York and he drove out to Mass. And it was a. was a match made in heaven. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ben was, is very dedicated felt, to the sport. <laughs> I felt a kinship. <laughs> and that was after the seminar with Bob. Oh, at Salamini. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, where yeah. I met you, Scott Dunmore. Yeah, the whole thing. That's where it all started. Um, ben is like an OG. Ben has stayed at like every house Scott and I have been in together. <laughs> like we, Ben is a long-standing friend. And Janelle's been in the protection sports for almost a decade as well. And you're still competing in French ring, yes. right? Yes. Yep, yep. Okay. And you have two males right now you compete with? Um, one, she has her French ring one, and I have a puppy that's actually going to be Ben's puppy. Oh, He just hasn't there we go. We're just owned still, it yet. We're just still pushing that on to him. And then Narco. Yeah, well, Narco's retired. He's Yeah, yeah and you've got to rank best. three on him. Yes. Yeah, perfect. No, All that's right. the, the Dutch Shepherd, Narco? No, no, oh, that's Raiden. Raiden, Raiden was Raiden. my first. So you got a two on Raiden, right? No, I stopped at one. one. I retired on, yeah. 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 So you got the... three on the mouth. Right. All right, so let's chat this up a little bit. So you guys train together a little bit differently than we train together because you are like actually working your own dogs. So when Scott and I were doing this together as a couple, um, I was working his dogs and he was decoying his dogs. So there were their own challenges there. But you're really training your own competition dogs on a certified decoy, right? Like mm-hmm. that's kind of your setup for mm-hmm. the most part. Did you work Ben's dogs when he was competing? Would you handle them yes. as well? Okay. Yep. All right. So let's kind of hash that out a bit. How does that go? Does that get a little bit hairy? Is that a lot of fun? Is it <laughs> contributing to the relationship? <laughs> if you had asked us maybe four or five years ago, the answer would be different. It's, it's been a learning curve. Um, but we've gotten a lot better at it. Marital growth. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of empathy, a lot of understanding. So, like, the difference between, like, Ben and I is, like... Empathy? It, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, like, it's a hobby for me. It was. Yeah. And now it's evolved into, like, a very serious, like, not just a weekend sport. Yeah. So, like, Ben is very neurotic. He's like, you have to do it this way. You have to... And then, like, and then, like it's helped me become a better handler. That's not the Ben I know. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, right? <laughs> So, like, at first, it was, like, especially when I was handling his dogs, he was, like, he would get so mad at me. And I'm, like, bro, 
Yeah. Chill out. So, chill chill out. out. Like. Well, the thing is, before you handled his dog, he'd get mad at himself. <laughs> yes. Now he can just get mad at you. <laughs> me, yeah. He projected, he can on projected onto me. Yeah. But um, no, now we've kind of gotten to like a really good groove. I feel like where I think I'm actually a better handler a little bit than Ben. I'll say it. Um, just because well, you've had more practice lately, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like. I feel like he, he's much more patient with me. If anything, um, you know, he's just like, that was a slow to out. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> like, I'm on it. You know? He's like, evolved a little bit yeah. in his understanding. Yeah. Well, that's like um, Bob Salamini with his wife. It's the same thing. She's handling most of the time. He's doing the decoy work. She's doing real well. She's done real well in the mm-hmm, past. Mm-hmm. And it's a good, good setup, you know. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, if I wasn't with Ben or if something happened to Ben, I probably wouldn't be in ring sport anymore just because... I like the way we train, and I don't know if a lot of people like are on the same page as we are. And no, most people are not on the same page with Ben. <laughs> no, so exactly. You guys yeah, to be to be on the same page—that's a miracle, right there. <laughs> well, in general, too, a lot of people don't train the way that we do. Yeah, a lot of people are still training uh, in a very specific way, where it's where it's like, okay, I'm the handler, decoy, tell me what to do. Decoy's doing a lot of the corrections, mm-hmm. and we don't train that way anymore for us it's very like the decoy is a toy mm-hmm. and the dog has to respect d- the handler yeah it doesn't really respect the decoy right and you get so much more power from the dog like no respect from the decoy he's just like he owns them right it's the respect that then from the handler i'm sure yeah. that transfers better to trial then yeah uh, and it's it becomes um uh i think it's an easier way to train as like a team mm-hmm. um, and the, the handler learns just as much like not, I guess as the dog, but like when you have a handler that's working with a decoy that's doing all the corrections, the handler doesn't learn as much yeah. because it's just like, Oh, decoy is doing everything where yeah. the way that we do it, the handler learns so much about the training. Although so, I could see that it would take longer to get the dog trained the way you're doing it. Because a decoy can clean things up real quick as they're moving along. And, yeah. and training, like, on the fly, a good decoy can teach the dog so much in one session. Mm-hmm. You know, a smart dog. But it's less transferable. Yeah. 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 And a decoy to decoy, it's harder, yeah. too. And so, like, he's, like, kind of groomed me to where, like, I could go out now and train with other decoys and just, I run the show. It's like, okay, you're yeah. going to do X, Y, Z, and I'm just going to do the rest. And it's like, okay. Well, then you get the egos, too, where they don't want to be told what to do. And it's like, you know, you should be, I mean, that's... Not unusual, okay, is it? Okay, but it's like this is my program, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like it's like you follow, like you're you're gonna f up my training all the months I've put into this one thing. If you want to change it up now, so yeah. it's like no, we're gonna follow my plan, and if not, then well, know. the nice thing is that you have a plan, and most yeah. handlers don't, you know, no. like that's the thing they show up. What do I do? Yeah. What do you want me to do? What should we do today? It's like oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> what have we been doing? You know, like so, so. How did you get involved in Ring Ben? Because it's kind of an oddball thing to get involved in. Uh, it started with my first dog, which was a pit bull, who ended up biting somebody. And so then protection sports were just the next was logical like, step. I was, yeah. Right, right from there, I was like, he's born for this. No, it was more like I'm 18, and then I'm terrified that my dog's going to have to be put down. Okay. So, and then my brain was like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to save this dog. And Did you go to Upstate at that point? Is that when you got involved with Upstate Canine? No, it was probably a year or two after that. Because I just went headfirst into training. I realized I was kind of good at it and had that, like, you know, black and white brain. And from there, I worked with some local pet guy who I thought was awesome. But then I, he showed me how he does all his stuff, and I was like, that is so basic. I feel like there's so much more 
than that, other than just like yank and crank oh, yeah. type training. There's more than that? Yeah. <laughs> so then I saw, I, I from there it was like, oh, the, the I'm top. I'm something out today. <laughs> the, the top is, is like <laughs> advanced technical protection work, bite sport, yeah. dog sport. And that's where it was like, oh, I, I realized my pit bull is never going to be able to do this type of work. Yeah. So I took him as far as I could. Uh, but then it was like, okay. Did I you need, compete with that I dog? I need to get, no. All right. No. And then you got Hank. He wasn't, yeah. And Hank was your first male, and that's when yeah. you came out and met Scott. And you Hank really was got, awesome. I love that yeah. dog. Yeah. Hank was a great dog. I got lucky with, with Hank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and you like. were really into the training aspect of it, too. Like, I remember you, when you would do your obedience, like, you'd have him weaving through the legs. Like, you really liked yeah. the engagement versus just like, oh, I just need to get proper healing for all yeah. of that. So, Ben really likes all aspects of, you know, where you go with protection, including the agility part of it and the protection part of it and the obedience part of it. How about you? How did you get involved in the crazy thing called ring? Oh, gosh. Um, so, I actually have been in dogs longer than Ben. Um, I started in rescue when I was like in high school and then I was doing vet tech for the longest time and then I went into nursing, but it was just like a, a progression. Like it just made sense. Like I grew up with a German shepherd. I grew up with a cattle dog mix that I like did all pet dog training stuff and like basically taught myself how to train. Like I learned about clicker training and like I was using a prong when I was younger. Like I knew all of the things like before I even knew it was a thing, like before yeah. it was like positive reinforcement stuff like that. Um, but I was just always drawn to protection sports so i got my first dog raiden uh the dutch shepherd just because i was like oh i like the way they look you know yeah. i'm working um, dog strong <laughs> <laughs> so you know and and, and he, he's a really good dog he just wasn't the level that i was looking for because like i wanted to get to ring three i wanted to be a serious <clears throat> competitor so then i got narco and i met ben shortly after and then kind of the rest is history here i am yeah. how many dogs training later? took a dip for a while <laughs> and i started coming back yeah. <laughs> Well, even Ring in general, I feel like has changed a lot in the last decade. Let's talk about that a little bit. And even like since you got involved in Ring, I mean, how long has it been? 20 years ago? 25 years ago? I guess. Around 2000. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's evolved a lot. Um, (laughs) We're aging ourselves. (laughs) Scott's the oldest, so it it makes everyone else feel better. Um, But really, like the whole sport itself is challenging from a lot of perspectives. But now I just kind of feel like there's less availability. Mm -hmm. There's... Um, definitely less clubs. Like, have you guys seen a change at least in the last decade? I mean, there's, my dog is like almost ring three ready. She has a ring one. I'm like, I need a trial for ring two, but there's no, no place trials. to go. Yeah, like, and, I, and it's like, I don't really have like the time right now to be traveling, you know, across the country. Like I could go out to Arizona to, you know, um, compete out there but, you know, usually there's like at least a Connecticut trial and there's been nothing this year and it's like, yeah. okay, like, Makes it's, it it's a little disheartening because I'm like, what am I working my butt off for if I have no way to like test my training? Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, you got to travel a lot. Yeah. Which isn't always feasible. Like, you know, it's worked out well because I get times of like when I was doing travel nursing, I had like times where I wasn't on a contract. So we could go like to Georgia to compete and stuff like that. But realistically, it's not ideal to have to. Yeah. You know, we're in France. It's like every weekend I could trial if I wanted to, which yeah. would be beautiful. <laughs> well, you can but move to France. There yeah. You go. There's <laughs> <always> <laughs> yeah. What about you, Ben? What have you seen change, especially within the last decade? Uh, I mean, I think it's been uh, a constant kind of down downturn in the interest for dog sports just because... You mean protection like a, sports? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. Just because it's such a, a hands-on... I feel like young kids aren't gravitating towards those kind of things. Yeah. And the most important thing with with bite sports is the decoys. Yeah. And we're just getting fewer and fewer decoys and nobody's doing I can't say nobody but f- for sure French ring 
we're not doing nearly as much outreach and marketing as we should, as yeah. some of the other sports are that are clearly having success from it, like PSA. No. That's what I was going to say. From, when you were saying that there's been that downturn, I think PSA is since the beginning, it's really kind of thrived. I don't know what yeah. it's like right now, but they had a lot of activity, uh, a lot of trials everywhere, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. totally different sport and um, different rules and all that stuff, but they seem to get a lot of attention and a lot of participation. Yeah. So they're doing something right there. Mm-hmm. French Ring is very detail-oriented, a lot of rules. It takes a team. It takes a specific field. It takes a lot of components to just train on a regular basis and then get out there and compete. And um, it's it's hard because it does take a team. And in France, you know, there's those teams are all it, That's everywhere. All they do. Yeah. Every weekend, yeah. you know, it's a real yeah. culture out yeah. there. Yeah. So it is tough. It's and it not is easy. a lifestyle. I guess the thing about French ring too is it's really can't just be a hobby if you're no. going to be serious about it. Yeah. Like you kind of have to live, breathe, and eat it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, the ring three program, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's a 45-minute program you know, no leash on the dog, the dog's out there doing protection, jumping, obedience. I mean, it's it's a long, long program, way more so than most other disciplines of dogs. It's definitely like the hardest thing to compete in in the world as far uh, as I'm concerned. And also a very specific type of dog that can actually yes. handle it and do it. Because yes. in PSA, you can get bulldogs, you can get, you know, many different types of dogs. All they need to be able to do is bite. And you can compete at the lower level, certainly with any kind of dog, as long as they'll they'll bite. Yeah. Um, they may not may not have the athleticism. They may not have the endurance, but they can do something. They can do a carjacking scenario. People can have fun doing those mm-hmm. things. Yeah. But when you get into ring, I mean, even at the most basic level, you got to come with the high performance. You yeah, can, no, completely. I, let me, I mean, I did you know a little brevet with my border collie, and and he's not cut out for that stuff. But we were able to do that. But that's it. That's just like the, hey, I'm here. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you really, if you're going to do it, you got to have, a, and if you want to have fun, the other thing is if you're going to go with a, a dog that is not bred for that type of stuff, it's going to be a lot of work mm-hmm. and you got to really be doing it for the love of working with the specific dog you have yeah. and keep them from getting beat up and treated unfairly and all those mm-hmm. kind of things, you know. Running so. the show yet again. <laughs> what do you guys look for in a dog? Is it similar what you look for in like the competition dogs you both work? Do you like a similar cut kind of dog or do you have different variations of that? Or what does that look like? Uh, I mean, I think we both generally look for the same kind of things. For me, it's just uh, uh, innate love for biting. Mm-hmm. It just It's that simple. Mm-hmm. You know, if your dog loves to bite, in, then you can just kind of mold it, you know, as you're going going forward with the program, but you'll just, I mean, you see it really early. It's just, if innately it's, it's really hard to get this dog to engage and just get fully into it. Uh, Most of the time that's an indicator for me where it's like, you know, Hey, we're seeing it right now where it's like, I have to jump through hoops and kind of run around like a prey animal just to get this dog to engage, bite it all. And I see so many people that think that that's what it is where it's like okay the dog's not really engaging the decoy you should be doing more a lot of people say hey hey get more active get more active yeah. where i'm like the opposite yeah. i think You're you more see passive. it you see it very lazy early. is the word <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you see it very early in a dog that they either have it or they don't yeah. if i just just do the bare minimum they're like really <clears throat> into it 
that usually that dog is the one that goes forward. Yeah. But then you'll have these people that will take a dog for way too long and try to force it and force it when then six, you know, a year, two years down the road, that dog's out because they just, yeah. they just didn't. Well, and some people it. have the joy of training, which is fine. But if you're looking to be competitive with the whole sport, I would totally agree. So what about like dogs with obedience? Do you like over the top ball drive? Like you like crazy cuckoo stuff or it doesn't really matter as long as the bite drives there. For me personally, as long as the dog bites, I can work with anything else. Yeah. So yeah, like I, I'm fine. You know, I can, you can see why you train well together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you can build food as long drives, as there's anger and so, aggression or gun. <laughs> you know, like and then that's the thing. I feel like social media too has kind of like painted this picture of what the Malinois is supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, like a social, forwardly social dog, and it should be able to go everywhere and anywhere. Like I don't care. Like the female I have now, I've she's never not had one of those. like she's not like want to be your best friend. Like she loves me to death. Like the dog would die for me probably. But like. You know, she war- it takes time to warm up. But guess what? She's a great ring dog. So I don't give a shit about anything else. As long yeah. as you are a ring dog, that's all that matters to me. Um, and, you know, it's like she's more possessive. She's not the type of dog that, like, you see on social media now where it's, like, jumping up and punching on you with the toy and, like, oh, play with me, play with me. No. So it's like, okay, I've learned to work with her drives yeah. and play how she wants to play. And, like I said, as long as they bite, I don't... I can figure out how to work with them. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. to me, you know. You can tap into other drives if, you know, withhold food or yeah. withhold certain toys. It's it's not a big deal. It's yeah. easy. No, 100%. So. I was going to say about, you know, the type of dogs that you want for ring. And when I first started that club in Mass, when I got out here, I just wanted to get some fresh people into the sport. And they would show up with dogs that weren't suited yeah. for ring. And I'm like, that's okay. Bring your Roddy. Bring this. Bring that. Let's see what we can do with them. And... Uh, turves, just d- dogs that weren't really well suited, but they had drive and they did something. And I'd work my butt off to try and get them into a trial. And I'd say the next dog you get, if you want to do this, get a male. Well, we can't have more than one dog in the house, you know. And then inevitably, they'd go get another friggin' turf, or they'd go oh, yeah. get another Roddy, or they, you know, that was their breed. And it was just, uh, and it's nothing against them. It's just that. Yeah, Makes tremendous amount of work. Well, yeah. no, I would, I would get burnt out as a decoy. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm running around trying to make the dogs look good. I can make them look good on training days, mm-hmm. but they really, you know, they weren't excited about working on someone they didn't know, yeah. you know, and then uh, they couldn't barely get through a trial. Yeah. And yeah. then it was a bummer. It was a lot of work, and I felt like I'm just kind of spinning my wheels. And you it's know? frustrating if you're the only decoy, and it's like you're working all these dogs trying to, you know, polish turds in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have no one to work your dog. So it's kind of yeah. like, yeah. it's a thankless job, I think. Well, that's true. And that's an interesting point, because you guys had a club out in New York, and we had the club in Mass. And, I mean, it's thankless. It's a thankless job to have a club. It's mm-hmm. a thankless job to be the decoy in the club. Mm-hmm. Scott would work, you know, 15 dogs and be too tired to work his own dogs at the end of it. Like, it's not easy. So if you guys are out there and you're listening, and you do have a club situation, like, make sure you're expressing, like profound gratitude at all times like quick training sessions like brushing up before trial like it is not an easy go out there and since there are a few and fewer clubs you know forming and staying out there and active it is very very important to harness and be grateful for what you have because you guys don't do any formal club training anymore right no yeah no and i will say also that when i started the club uh with uh larry hansen and adrian out in california um we'd get all kinds of like gangbangers showing up, we'd be working in Compton and they'd come up with pit bulls and they'd say, Hey, we want to do bite work. And, and Larry Hansen would say, fine, we're going to start with obedience. And if they would do the obedience, if they'd come in and do all their obedience, then start doing bite work, Mm -hmm. see what kind of commitment they had to, 
doing it because we don't want a bunch of dangerous dogs out yeah. there. They're just biting the crap yeah. out of people, yeah. you know? Yeah, and let's touch on that because we talked about it with the quirky tips. So if somebody's listening and they're like <clears throat> thinking like Ben situation, like, oh, maybe my pit bull should just be biting. What kind of advice would you give people listening that think like, oh, yeah, my dog's always been well-suited for protection? What would be your kind of over-sounding? <laughs> We're both like, don't do it. <laughs> That's a really difficult um, question, I think. Because when I, I uh, had a dog boarding daycare business mm-hmm. and like I would get these people that would see the pictures and stuff like stuff like that and they have no concept of how much time yeah. and effort goes into creating goes that. into that, that thing. So yeah. I don't even know how to how to answer that for, for like pet people other than it's just like, okay, yeah, like the obedience thing. And that's what I would do when I yeah. would get interested clients. I'd be like, yeah, Let's this go work is the program. thing we do. Yeah. Yeah. I want you to, uh, you got to go through my obedience program first. We'll teach about engagement, ball, all this stuff. And nine times out of 10, probably like 10 times, it would be like the point zero zero one that would <laughs> go beyond that. that. Yeah. Yeah. It would be two, three sessions and I'd never hear from him again. Yeah. Because it, it's, it's seriously, work. and that's why I think it, it's, the sport is kind of, of dying because we're not marketing the super exciting sport. We're, there's so few people that comprehend it yeah. and are willing to like put in this enormous amount of dedication and time into that dog. It's not a woke sport. No. <laughs> so, not. I mean. But so, yeah, I mean, it's like that'll just get, get them into a, get into obedience, you yeah. know, like, yeah. uh, you know, get into advance. training and a training routine. And Scott yeah. always says like, everybody, you know, is like, Oh, I need a protection dog. I need a personal protection dog. I, I need this. And Scott's like, you just need a dog who will bark. I mean, really for the mm-hmm. most part, if you're concerned about, you know, your safety or, you know, you're a woman who travels alone a lot. Like if you have a good, like bark and hold, meaning that like the dog will just bark at someone that you tell it to bark at or bark at a gas pump. If you point to a gas pump, mm-hmm. that's mostly all you need. You just need that intimidation factor. This whole getting dogs to bite and, you know, teaching bite pressure and proper technique and everything else. There's a lot of responsibility owning a dog that can seriously harm someone and injure someone. I mean, we've been doing it for a long time now. Not for I, nothing, but yeah. like I put all this time and energy into training my dogs. I would never put them in a position to send them on someone. Yeah. No. I would, you know what I'm I saying? I always felt that way. Like, yeah. It's I, like, I'd rather go in myself. Yes, yeah. Like, <laughs> keep the dog in the crate so he doesn't get hurt. Like I have weapons to protect myself. I don't need my dog to get yeah. in the way of that. Yeah. So. Yeah, right. I was going to say, that's kind of funny. The people that would approach me, the pet people that said, well, they'd call me and say, I need to see if I can get my dog into a police department because he's, he'd be really good at that, but he's just not a good pet. And it's a dog that's got a lot of fear, yeah. that's biting all the wrong people at the wrong time, mm-hmm. and they're thinking, well, he should be doing police work. No, yeah. you should do some obedience on your yeah. dog and get him under exactly. control. I've had similar situations where it's a lack of education. I've had people come to me interested in bite work, and they I meet with this person, and it's literally a very fearful dog that has had bites yeah. on people Actual bites, yeah. and they think that oh it's bite work somehow that will Transfer, help yeah. this dog with biting not biting and it's just you know education yeah. like no that's not that's not what, it's not what it is, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I know I tell people it should that, be fun yeah the dogs that that bite that are police dogs they're doing it for fun not because yeah. they're upset no I mean it gets more fun after they get blood <laughs> in their mouth but yeah. in the beginning it's just a big game you know? and it's not them protecting you no it's they're they're scared out of their mind yeah and they're just they're trying they're to just as happy themselves. to bite the cop next to you as yeah. as you like, who do you want me to bite 
All right, let's get back to the lovey-dovey stuff because I feel like the people out there still doing protection sports, um, a lot of them are still couples. Like that is kind of becoming a common dynamic. So I know you guys have evolved a lot over the years. What are some, do you like have some rules when you're training? Like uh, what do you, how do you approach things? Do you have tips for people that I'm struggle? I'm sure you never argue or fight. <laughs> Never. Never. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> we, never, we never don't argue. <laughs> it's part of the foundation of the relationship. <laughs> and I think that's the same with all couples that train together. That, you know, the nice thing is that you get to know each other. So you don't even have to vocal, you know, verbally say what needs to be done. Because you know how each other trains. Mm-hmm. And when I trained with Adrian, it was like that. Uh, I remember asking Patrice Foucault when he was here, you guys train together? He's like, yeah. I said, you never have any problems? They just fucking drop their heads. Oh, my God. <laughs> Laughing. It's like, yeah, every, you know, everyone has trouble. But the nice thing is knowing the training styles, mm-hmm. knowing how each other works, mm-hmm. knowing if someone had a bad day and you're just bringing a bad attitude into the session because you know them so well. Yeah. yeah. You know, if he didn't get his his artwork done and now you're dragging him away to do bite work. I think, I, well, I think what's different now is Ben has less of a stake in it because he's not competing. I think maybe that might be part of it. So you're less like serious about the training? Well, I don't know. You're, I seem like you're, maybe it's just because you're less neurotic. You kind of like taking it down a few notches. Um, but honestly, like now it's kind of like I go out there and I'm kind of like dictating how, what we're going to do, how it's going to yeah. go. And he's just like, okay. Like obviously like, you know, it's I your take, dog. It's my dog, yeah. yeah. And I have, like, a plan. So, like, the other day, I was like, Ben, we need to start doing ball searches with Doja. I really think, you know, I saw XYZ with this, and I think she needs it. And he's like, okay. And, like, you know. We just do it. We just do it, yeah. yeah. So uh-huh. you're just acquiescing a lot more, and it's going much better. Well, there's less uh, ego involved. <laughs> I don't know if it's that. I just, uh, we've been together a long time and done training for a while. For me, it's kind of been, like, a informal therapy where... We kind of we we love each other, obviously, and we wanted to that get, get good at this together. <laughs> and we did. I mean, we both did kind of what it took to figure out how to communicate and how to work together and not be at each other's throats. We learned how to compliment each other, so it's like a motivation to want to do this with another person yeah. and not just like doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, and having your own ego kind of take over. Yeah, we had a big fight. Like, what is going on? Why am I triggering you? Why are you triggering me? It was like growth Mm -hmm. as people. That was the biggest thing for me. And it normally reaches outside of the training field. (laughs) Lo and behold. Yeah, Yeah. so like now after every training session, I'm like, thank you. Like, you know, like you did a good job or like, you know, I see a change, you know, like obviously giving him. She's rolling her eyes. Yeah, you did a great job. (laughs) No. (laughs) Like, you know, giving him props to like, you know, I can really see a change in this or like this is really coming along. Like, thank you for your help and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. It's just like being like, even if he's like really like annoyed me in some way in that session, I still try to be positive. Yeah. Intentionally. That's more than you get as a club decoy. (laughs) I I know I could be very annoying. Like That's part of my personality when it comes to like. Stuff I take seriously. Yeah. yeah. People just, used to say, start, hey, what's wrong with Ben? I'd say, well, I'd say, what are you talking about? Like, to me, he's totally normal. Yeah. Especially, especially with a significant other, it's so easy to just quickly lose that filter. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're just like, Bleh. 
Yeah. No, I agree. And I think Scott brought up too, and this was a good one. Like if you're having a shit day, maybe don't train that day. Like if something's Mm -hmm. going on in your life, like there's no need to, unless you're like trialing that weekend, but there's no reason to force a training session when the energy is already a little bit off. I think um, Ryan and Alex up in Canada, they said one time, like they have a safe word when they're training. I thought that was so funny. They're like, if things are getting out of hand, like we say this word and then training's over, but you do, you have to have mutual respect. I love this, like infusing compliments and making that happen. And you really do have to just be grateful because especially as the world gets smaller and smaller, whatever you have, and you have excellence at your disposal. I mean, yes, you're lucky I'm in the lucky. sense for yes. training with that. Cause you are still doing trials. You are still a trial decoy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're Just getting great technique in Canada. Yeah, no, it's exactly. Nice. So if we were doing that, I'd need postcards. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, go to my next postcard. You did a good job. <laughs> we did pretty well with training. I would say our training, kind of like how you guys are talking, I would be like, okay, you're going to do this. Not with the decoy stuff, but especially like if Scott was doing his obedience, you know, a part of it is just he wasn't as OCD as me and he wasn't like remembering what happened the last session as much. But I'd be like, do this, do this, do this. As long as it looked good, he was happy. We moved on. But for the most part, we didn't have extreme conflict in training. But no, we, no. we deal with each other more than any two people should ever deal no, with No, but anyone. it did. I, we, you def- definitely complimented what I was doing because you're more anal than me, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I go out and have fun and, and not as thoughtful and the thing was, I was able to get away with that for a long time. I could go out and compete, pass, do well sometimes, but inconsistent mm-hmm. because I'm not super anal and really even, I mean, there's people that keep logs. I mean, they're just writing down everything they do all the time. Yeah. And those are the people that do well. And, it, and I tell my, my pet clients this all the time. I said, I, you know, I used to do obedience. I used to do protection work and compete. I did okay. I'm not super anal. And you can see the difference in personality between someone that does okay in a club trial, someone that consistently does well on a national level, and someone that does well internationally. They're three different people. And those people will always wind up at doing best at nationals, Mm -hmm. and they'll always be at the international event placing in the top five. Yeah, not just a one-off with a dog. Because that's who they are, and that's what they demand of themselves, and they know what it takes. And for me, it's like... I don't really have the desire. I enjoy dogs. I enjoy bite work. Mm-hmm. I love to, to get involved. I like the, the learning. I remember when I first got involved, I would just walk along with the decoy or walk along, you know, if they'd let me. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? How's that working? Why, you know, and seeing mm-hmm. things that didn't make sense. Why are you doing it that way? But then when it came down to the competition, the handling and all the rules, just not something I'm thrilled about. Yeah. <laughs> I learn them because I don't want to cost my dog points. Yeah. 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 But it's like... It's you know, not Scott's so personality. Much, yeah. yeah, and when you get into ring three, I mean, there's a ton of... <laughs> so and the thing is, when you know all the rules, you can actually um, argue with the judge. Sometimes oh, the yeah. judges don't know what... Like, I they're study saying the rule shit. book before I try right, so I you have can it all say, printed hey. out. I read it. I have it, like, laminated. <laughs> I've seen people at a high level that will challenge the judge and get mm-hmm. points back yeah. quite often. Yeah, and that's why I say Ben kind of groomed me because it was a hobby first. It was like yeah. that's uh, also, fun with my. Uh, I mean, I know. Don't start. Don't start. Don't start. But like his, <laughs> his attention to detail has rubbed off on me to where yeah. it's like I do keep a training journal, um, and now like 
it's it's not just a hobby because like I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm constantly thinking, okay, like what can I do the next session? What can I change? What can you know? Like yeah. I'm at work, you know, and I'm and I'm texting Ben. I'm like, can you just go do positions quick with Doja because I think she needs X Y Z? Or and can you can you work on her retrieve for me? And like that's the nice thing too is like he'll actually just go out and do it for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So, and do it the way you want it done. Yes. That's the yeah. Nice well, thing. he'll do it better because there's some things that I think he's better at. Like I think. But that's why you want him to do it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he's really good at tapping into like possession with the retrieves and their drives which I like you know I think because he's a decoy he's got that extra finesse and like I'm just not there yet so mm-hmm. it's like hey can you can you help with you know the hold and, and that stuff and he did that and the you know, precision of the positions were still you know what's interesting on, about French ring and everything you're talking about is that French ring is like the only one of compared to Schutzen or IPO whatever the hell they call it IGP now. IGP I, yeah um, <laughs> Just look at the alphabet it's, it's and pick a, three letters. It's not unusual for people to buy a finished dog, go out and keep compete with it, and it's totally legitimate. And everyone's yeah. like, "Yeah, they're great, great team." Mm. But they didn't train the dog. I could never. In French ring, nobody. Very, it's very rare that mm. someone goes and buys a, a ring three dog and then comes here and just starts winning at the nationals mm. all the time because it just doesn't seem right. It's like, no, you want to build your own dog. It's you as a team. You came together and you grew. You know what I mean? Or like the few people I know who have purchased Ring Three Dogs from France, like don't know what the heck. Like they're well, they don't have completely the new to right. yeah. French Ring, and they're not out there competing. So I mean, like, it's good to go out and handle. If you want to learn oh, your handling, yeah. it's great to have sure. a finished dog to handle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but, but that is true. In this country, it's more it's start to finish with yeah. the dog. That's true. And a lot of like homebred dogs now, like homegrown dogs, mm-hmm. like people making their own puppies and everything else. So you guys don't do, you don't have as much overlap in your life. So training is kind of like this recreational thing you do together. Do you do other fun things together? Do you have other hobbies? Like, do you like go out okay. for drinks Let's after training? About, like, what do you really do? Okay. <laughs> Transition to hallucinogenics. Last Festivals. Time. No, really though. I just want to make this point because a lot of people, it's like, oh, this is our recreation. This is our hobby. But like, do you have like other things infused into your yeah, life? Because that... at the end of the day, French ring isn't really recreational yeah. for us. It's, yeah. it's, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of work at the end. Of the day. Yeah. <laughs> Especially for it, Ben. It's, and, and honestly, like I'm kind of like, kind of keeps like having one foot out the door with it because it's getting kind of hairy yeah yeah, yeah. we talked about this like last week yeah like literally a few days ago i'm like yeah. you know the buck might stop with doja i might get her to ring three and be done because it's just like it's disheartening because you know i'm working my butt off and and i don't do it for the trials i like building dogs and bite work and i like to test my training that's the only reason why like i'm still in it but you know that's like i said i think it's just getting harder time. and harder to access yeah. yeah so like we do i mean honestly ben and i do like pretty much everything together <laughs> <laughs> we're kind of like one and the same person. Yeah. We're the same so, way. So, you know, like we do, we've done paddleboarding, we've done kayaking, we were just at a concert over yeah. the weekend. Um, so you, you have know. a lot of good variation. I just think yeah. it's important to the people that, you know, Scott and I obviously have the same career too. We podcast together, we do a lot of togetherness. If you have two separate careers and then the only time you're meeting up for recreation is training, maybe throw some more things into the mix because training isn't always necessarily the most fulfilling or, It can you be know, volatile. Yeah, it, it yeah, can like, be. I envy the people who just go out there and are like weekend warriors, like, oh, just doing fun bites with my dog and like i, I kind of wish that was me but i just yeah. you know too obsessive yeah. too obsessive yeah. Yeah. Fixed and one of the reasons i stopped competing along the same lines is because the the sport like kind of stopped um supporting the lifestyle yeah. like it became a lifestyle but like nara I, I don't think is doing enough where the sport isn't supporting the lifestyle anymore it's just like how can we do this, put all this effort, and then literally have to travel 
like 14 yeah. hours to do a trial. Yeah, and or and even just for decoys and judges. Months. I mean, outside of competitors, yeah. like there's a lot of there's a lot of support that's needed, and mm-hmm. I think that is something that's different in French ring versus some other protection sports for sure. And I'm lucky because I'm not paying you know a decoy to work my dog. Yeah. But then it's that's like I've, point. I've yeah. washed two puppies already so like there's money going into getting dogs to do it and it's like you know i don't know but even that that's another good point you bring up like if you guys you know especially even some clubs situations like there's going to be money like you're forking out money for this like this is a pretty like high dollar thing outside of competing and everything else so yeah that is true at least with ben you're not spending money on just the decoy stuff but you're going to be dropping some money it's not a cheap sport yeah and you talk about washing out puppies i mean that's that's the mindset there that's a huge uh, turn off of the pet dog owner, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, where people get a dog and they want to do the best they can with this dog and they're never going to get rid of this dog. And I mean, a, have, owning a dog, it's a, you know, a minimum 12 year commitment. Hopefully it's longer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when I first got involved in this, I washed out a lot of puppies. Uh, I was advised to wash them out from the decoys I was working with. And a lot of them weren't, they weren't that bad but I didn't know what I was looking at either. You're at a point where you know exactly what you want. And I know what I like. And you know, this, yeah. and the, the nice thing about the puppies, when that time came that I decided to find a home for this puppy, I was always able to find homes because I didn't try to sell them and recoup some kind mm-hmm. of money. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure the dog went to a safe well place it, yeah. where they could be taken care mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And quite often, I paid a lot of money for the dog. Yeah. It was a good dog. It just wasn't what I wanted. And if I could find a home where they're like, I remember going to a Schutzen club and I had two dogs because I was at a point where I was like, I'm just going to get two puppies and the best one I'll keep. Mm-hmm. And the other one was good. And this other guy comes and goes, I love that puppy. And I go, you want him? He's like, yeah, why? <laughs> I said, because I got two good ones and I like the other one better. And he was thrilled. And I just handed And there was a, a German judge there. And he goes, he just goes, that's great. He goes, <laughs> I tell everybody, you can't train two dogs at the same time. You train one dog at a time. And that's where I was at. I was not, I didn't have the time or the desire to train two dogs mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it's a lot of work. I joke. I'm like, if you're friends with me long enough, you're going to get a dog from me. Because I have a friend who's had two dogs from me already. Yeah. So, <laughs> How are you guys with um, your sport dogs as far as like pet doggy stuff? Like, are they like house dogs and stuff too? Or how do you feel about all that? So, yeah, so that's the thing for me. They have to be both. Both, yeah. Like, I don't I don't like my dogs being in a kennel. Um, so, like, they don't have to be perfect house dogs because that's not what I expect of them. But, like, they have to – and I don't care if they're social, but they have to be neutral with the, my other dogs because I have my little dogs. Yeah. They have to be good with them. They have to be manageable with my cat. And that's really all I ask for, yeah. you know. Like they the don't, rest they you don't need with. to interact with company that's nope. coming over. Nope. Yeah. Put them, no, that's like, the thing people don't realize. <laughs> we don't even. <laughs> I don't even want to interact with them with company. That's why I was going. Like, going but I mean, like, I, I still have Cousteau, who's he's nine now. Yeah. He acts like he's three or four. He's full of yeah. energy. Yeah. He's good with other dogs, mm-hmm. but he's intense. Mm-hmm. And he needs something to do. Basically, he he's not just a couch potato. Mm-hmm. And I would never have him out around company or anything like that mm-hmm. because. He's like a magnet. People want to go to him. Mm-hmm. But he's not super social with people. He'd yeah. look at people like, what the fuck are yeah. you doing, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> You're a little too close to me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you that's know? my dog now. Yeah. So. And that's the thing. And you do kind of have to be an advocate for your dog. And I love this discussion of like, let the dogs be who they want to be mm-hmm. and support them. But there are some hard lines there. Like you can't be neurotic. You have to respect <clears throat> little dogs and cats and everything mm-hmm. else. All right. Are we missing anything as far as training, love lives, mushrooms? Did we miss any big I topics? No, psychedelics say, for all. We're very pro-psychedelics. In, in, in closing, for pet dog owners, the way we're talking about our dogs that aren't necessarily social with the public, 
There's no need to force to try to make them social. Because yeah. a lot of pet dogs I see, they're the same way. They're great dogs. They're just not. They're not real social with kids, or they're mm-hmm. not social. So what? Yeah, yeah. They, don't so they don't have to have these yeah. kids hanging off their ears. No. Yeah, you know that's what's so nice about getting a dog comfortable in a crate. If you have a sister or brother coming over with their little monsters, throw your dog in a crate yeah. for everybody's well-being. Yeah, no, it's true. You know? Be an advocate for your dog and let them be who they're going to be as yeah. long as they're not harming others. Exactly. Yeah. And I think people are kind of shocked too because they think like, oh, like Ben and Janelle, like they're serious about the dog trainers. And it's like, we let our dogs do so much and get away with so much. Oh, yeah. They respect Wait us. To- and then it's like, <laughs> if I tell them to cut the shit, they cut the shit. Yeah. And, and that's it. Like, I like them being who they want to be. If you want to be crazy, yeah. be crazy. Yeah. Like, Scott lets your- his dogs be a little I too say, free. Yeah. I say the same thing to my clients. I said, everything you want me to teach your dog, my dog does, doesn't do any of that shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. My dog, <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to show you how to stop counter surfing. But I'll tell you, my dog will counter surf if I let him. I'm not going to go kick his ass. I'm not going to put an e collar on him at 100 mm-hmm. to stop that mm-hmm. behavior. I manage him so it doesn't yeah. happen, so he doesn't get exactly. in trouble. Yeah, yeah but, a lot of um, working with like pet dog clients was like unbrainwashing them from what the mainstream thinks pet dogs should be. Right. It's become the pet industry is going in such like a radical direction. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you mean? What do you think that they're promoting should be a pet dog? I mean, dog? you're not using just any corrections social, in, in your training, are just, you? <laughs> just social, just, what do you mean? What do you think? The yeah, mainstream, I mean, it's stuff like that where... Um, they should just be happy-go-lucky, confident this, in every situation. Yeah, this idea that dogs should get along with every single other dog, they should get along with every single yeah. person, they don't comprehend that. The dogs do not care. They would totally live a happy, fulfilled life if they just got to hang out with you and you did stuff with them. And being social is just being neutral. And the the dog they're complaining about, this is their third home. It's yeah. a rescue that's yeah. already bit yeah. this person and that person, but they want the dog to be yeah. some something other than he a is. A robot. Yeah. Let the dog yeah. be who he is and enjoy the good. Manage the stuff you don't like. No, and that's true. what we do with yeah. our dogs, that's too. That's true. Yeah. My Man- dogs are damn near perfect. Management for Mine, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we covered everything. We got love. We got psychedelics. We got training. We got pet dog topics. Again, if you think you have a dog that might be great in bite sports, please contact the proper people. And really, at the end of the day, just get your dog to bark. You don't need your dog biting people or biting equipment or anything else. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank We're going to have a day all together. I'm excited. We're going to put the dogs in the car and head up to Maine on like the warmest day of the year. I made a cobbler, too, so I'm very excited about that. Right. Um, we haven't tried it yet. <laughs> yeah, I guess I shouldn't be promoting that. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. Uh, check out Ben and Janelle's Instagram links. They are in the description of this episode. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Bye, guys. Bye. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.